My name is Ananta, and Dharma Devi, Maria, and Ariane, and I are going to talk about the power of God. It's a good topic. <laughs> I'd like to pick up, if I can, from yesterday, our science class, because the next part of the story goes back to Jyotish and Devi's part of the story. And uh, it has a song to it also, like this song. In 46, Master wrote the autobiography, and 52, Master left. And for the next 11 years, Swami Kriyananda was with that organization and had the book and was trying to help the world see the power of God and the potential of living for God and with God. And as our eloquent speakers said yesterday, this science of religion was a part of what Master was offering. But an interesting thing happened, because a lot of our scientists turned away from the power of God and focused on the mechanisms by which this beautiful divine movie is made. And so they discovered the genome and mapped it, and they found these subatomic particles, the muon and the Higgs boson, that have a lifespan of less than a nanosecond, and spent their whole life finding it. No comment. Uh, they found the dark energy... They found this beautiful universe, but they, for some reason, thought it was hip or cool or, as John Dave pointed out, not scientific to recognize that this entire universe is an expression of divine consciousness. Me and I were watching a scientist talk about the history of the planet Earth. And he was talking about the beginning of the planet Earth four billion years ago. And he postulated that that little chunk of Earth spinning around the sun just happened to catch the right amount of oxygen, hydrogen. We, and his conclusion was, we're a lucky bunch. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not buying that. <laughs> but the, this movement came. I'm going to tell you an event that happened in April 1966. In Before the Internet, America got its news from news services, which gathered stories, AP, UPI, Associated Press, United Press International, newspapers, and radio. And there were f weekly magazines, news magazines, and they were kind of a big deal. There was three big ones, creatively named, Life, look, and time. <laughs> Not as cosmic as you'd think, but anyway, a good try. In April 1966, there was the cover of Time magazine. It was a black cover, had three words on it in red ink. Is God dead? Now, to a master, to all of us, would just guffaw. <laughs> Is God dead? <laughs> but to them, it, it was actually interesting because it was the person who published it was 
a Christian and believed in God, but it was a good news story, a good seller. And this thought was in the ether in the, the 60s. Swami Kriyananda had been separated from his organization. He had the autobiography. He had his mission. Master has a great work for you to do, and he will give you the strength to do it. That's what Rajasi told him. And Swami was there. He was in New York. He had no friends. He was told not to talk to his brother and sister disciples. He was on his own. He had no money. And he had a mission. How are you going to accomplish a great mission if you don't have any money and no corporate sponsors and no backers and no friends? Power of God. Power of God. And so he did. He started. He went to Atherton, which is next to Palo Alto, stayed at his parents' house, caught his breath, regrouped, and had it out with Master. What do I do now? Nandamoy Ma said, take this as your Guru's grace. Guru's grace? What am I going to do? What happened to the power of God? How am I going to accomplish it? But Swami Kriyananda had complete faith in Master. And he knew that everything in the autobiography was true, and so he started out. And a series of circumstances occurred. I won't go into them, but they were wonderful. And bit by bit, Swami was invited to share the power of God with others. And so he started to write songs. Philosophy. Philosophy and song, he called them. The joy songs. God is dead. So men say, can't they see? All life's is play. Not a church binds him as its own. Not a creed makes him fully known. He began to write songs. And through the power of God, Jyotish and Seva, David Hogan Dyke, one by one, they came. We all came. Because we could feel the power of God. And Swami would talk about this great mission he had to do, World Brotherhood Colonies. But he told us this will be accomplished solely by the power of God. And if we tune into that power, it will happen. If we don't, it won't. And he looked at each of us with the power of divine love, with the power of Master, with the power of God. And he looked past how old we were, what we looked like, all the opinions that we have, our bundle of self-definitions. And he said, come, gather round. We'll sing the blues away. Dawn now is breaking. And the mountains say, it's only light that makes the darkness run. Lift up your head. Greet the rising sun. This was the energy. This is a single swami with six-string acoustic guitar. And he was going to change the world with the power of God. And we believed him. We knew. We knew. Because the power of God is within us, each one of us. We know it. We all know it. But we have to have it brought forth. Is God dead? Are you kidding me? God is alive. God is the power. What is this life flowing through my veins? Could it be other than divine? In thy light, in thy love, in thy joy, I am one. I am one with the infinite Om. That was the love that Kriyananda gave us. He wasn't Swami Kriyananda and I'm 18. He was 
a brother in light. Even though that light was coming through him a whole lot more than me or any of my friends. But you could see the power of love, the power of truth. And he said, we're going to fulfill Master's mission. We're going to come through for the Guru. And we said yes. And we believed we could do it. Impossible. Yandev told a great story yesterday about the lady you saw finding happiness and wasn't buying it. Well, a lot of people told us this is not going to work. You, you guys can't start a community. You can't start a worldwide movement that's going to go to India. At that age, the furthest north I'd ever been was Santa Rosa. <laughs> I thought the Far East was Walnut Creek. And the deep south was San Jose. And we were going to start a worldwide movement and bring the teachings of Kriya Yoga to the world. And I believed him. And I knew. It wasn't just belief. It was experience. Because as we talked about yesterday, the science of religion is the science of the experiment. Find that joy within you. You can find it. Still your mind if you want to pray. When motion ceases, God begins. And there it was. And we could touch it. And Swami would meditate with us. And we were doing our best. But we could feel that he was doing his best too. And he was so far beyond us. But it wasn't any condescension. It was like, come gather around. We'll sing the blues away. We'll do this. Master will do it through us. You and I. And each one of us. And very quickly, every person on this planet must be seen and felt as one with the infinite Om. And so, yes, if God wants to make a world brotherhood colony, God wants to take that autobiography and bring it to the world through us. If the world brotherhood colonies are going to spread like wildfire. Okay. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening inside our own heart. Joy is within you. And that was the message. That is the message. You know, Joe Tish and Davey talked about the, the yugas and Dwaparian and these big circles. What's the constant in that equation? God, God, God. Nothing else. What's the center of the yugas? Up, down, the drifting ones, the bad ones, the dark ones. God, God, God. That's the constant in this equation. You can ask Yandiv about it. He'll work it out for you on paper. <laughs> but he, he, quoted, he quoted Einstein. What did Einstein say about it? I want to know the thoughts of God. Everything else is just details. That's the power of God. That's the power of love. That's where Master started when a single monk... 27 years old, got off a boat in Boston, no friends, doesn't know anyone in this country. When a single monk, 37, Kriyananda in New York, starts his mission on his own, not on his own, power of God. And it happens. It happens through the power of God. There are two aspects to this. We have to share it with the world. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony peace and harmony the whole world our philosophy and song what is love is it only ours 
Or does love whisper in the flowers? Are the clouds mindless after all? Or is joy all nature's theme? The other aspect is the second part of the affirmation. Lord, fill me with peace and harmony. The reality of it is, you are peace and harmony. But he fills you by erasing the little veils of Maya that have come into our consciousness. And we've forgotten. And that's why we're here. That's why we, song, we sing. God who is infinite is life. God who is in all life is joy. Life is a mission from on high. Life is the quest for inner joy. That is the mission. Kriyananda dissolved the body. Gone. But Ananda doesn't dissolve. Ananda is part of God. And our mission is to be a part of God. To be joy. To be divine love. To dissolve the separateness. I'm going to quote. I'm going to read to you a little part. In... 1946, Yogananda wrote the autobiography, but in 1936, he went to Europe and he went to India and he said he was kind of doing his homework to write the autobiography. He was getting these last little stories and details and stuff. So when he was in India in Kolkata on April 26th, he wrote letters back to Rajasi. Rajasi was his foremost disciple. So he wrote this letter to Rajasi, 1936. Master's in Calcutta, Rajasi's at Mount Washington. And Master says, think God, enjoy God, live God, love God, dream God, do all things for God. Walk, talk, think, work, move, carry on business for God alone. Enjoy God and let others enjoy him through your living example. God can be given through words, a look, touch, writings, only by those who have touched God. God has created this nightmare of earthly existence. Rather, this scant dream of life mixed with nightmares <laughs> that someday we will be disgusted of it and try to wake up and enjoy his immortal joy. Dharma Devi will tell you about being a channel. Dharma Devi, goddess of Dharma. God bless you all. When I first came to Ananda, Swami Kriyananda was already 80 years old. And before I met him, I think all of us have a natural tendency to uh, make comparisons. Who? Oh, thank you. Um, so I was thinking, who do I know that's 80 years old? What would Swami look like? What would he act like? The only um, people I could think of that I knew around that age were my grandparents. And uh, the image I have of my grandparents isn't the most wonderful, isn't the most powerful.
they were kind of crotchety and uh, weak and, and feeble and uh, sweet people, but grandparents, <laughs> not Swami. So when I met Swami, I was really uh, shocked by the power that flew, f flowed through him. And um, even though it, Swami probably experienced just about every known ailment uh, to man, from diabetes to cancer, he emanated so much power and vitality. I remember the first time I met him was in India, and Jyotish and Devi were there as well. And I remember walking into the room where he was, and I felt this wave of energy, like I would just be blown right back out of the room. But um, luckily I wasn't. <laughs> um, I didn't know any of the customs of Ananda. I didn't even know to pronom to Swami. And he knew that, and he waved me over and shook my hand. It was very sweet. Um, as a lot of you probably know, Swami lived in L.A. for a while, and in 2010, and by this time he was 84, and uh, he, he was suffering a lot on the physical plane. And actually, I think this talk that he gave was before he actually moved to L.A., but it was a big public lecture at the Ford Amphitheater, and lots of preparations going into it. And <clears throat> Swami had a really hard time getting to that talk. It was, I think we all felt it was Satan just attacking him and trying to prevent him from coming. And I was setting up for the live broadcast like Dave Alila does now. And Dave Bingham was next to me. And he was videoing, he was going to be videoing Swami, and he had just been backstage and mic'd Swami, and he had his headphones on that were connected to Swami's mic, and he had a look of concern on his face. And I said, what's going on? Is everything okay? And he, I remember he took the headphones off and handed them to me, and I listened to Swami backstage, and I was shocked. I was like, oh, my God, he's not going to be able to go on. He was just in so much pain, and you could hear it in his voice. And and I remember looking at Dave, and he just smiled, and he said, don't worry, he'll be fine. <laughs> I was like, okay, he's got a lot more experience than I do, so he must know. And Swami got wheeled out onto stage in a wheelchair, and he was slumpy and... He looked weak. He looked tired, exhausted. And I, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then he spoke. And the miracle happened. And God and Guru flowed through him so powerfully. And I think the first thing he did was crack a joke about being old. I, re I remembered it, so I wrote it down. <laughs> what's the good thing about getting old? It doesn't last very long. <laughs> and as he cracked that joke, and as I felt the power of God and Master flowing through him, I just, 
I felt so much gratitude, and I remember I started welling up with tears, and I don't know if it was the tears combined with the lights and that feeling of gratitude, but Swami just started to take on a totally different form, and his wheelchair, I saw it, just became this throne, and he was young, his face was young, his body was strong, and he had a crown on his head. And I said, wow, he is a king. He is a king. And that's the essence I think all of us remember of Swamiji. Um, in L.A., Swami was interviewed a lot of times, and some were good interviews, some were not so good. Swami a lot of times talked about all the things he had done. I wrote 150 books. I've composed 400 pieces of music. I've started 10 World Brotherhood communities around the world. And some people, some of the interviewers just stopped right there and said, what an egomaniac. Gosh, he's so full of himself. But they completely missed the point. And Swami was saying these things because it wasn't humanly possible to do these things. If somebody said to you, go write a book, a 600-page book in six weeks and make it inspiring and life-changing, it, it's not humanly possible. He was saying these things to give the glory to God. And... There's a, a fun talk that of Yogananda. There's an audio file of it. And he's talking about when he found um, Mount Washington. And he says, Arthur, Arthur is a great driver and a good boy. And, and he goes on to tell about how Arthur was driving him in the car. And he said, Arthur, pull over, pull over. And he got out and he said, this place feels like ours. This is when he was at Mount Washington. And, uh, and he says in the talk, Arthur, is Arthur here? Arthur, stand up. And he says, isn't what I say true? And he's louder. <laughs> and I guess Arthur says, yes. <laughs> and he says, only to give the glory to God. So these, how do we, how do we be a channel for that divine power. Um, you know, Swami would say, pray believing, and um, he would say to, to God when he wanted to compose a song, probably, I don't know what exactly he did when he wanted to write a 600-page book in six weeks, but he said, I want a song that says this, 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 and this. Give me a melody. Keshav has a fun story to tell about that, too. You can ask him about it. <laughs> And, and a melody came, just like that. And that was the divine power. So how can we do that, just simply in our daily lives? Maybe we're not writing books, maybe we're not composing music, but we're interacting constantly with our family, our friends, our loved ones, our community. And so how can we apply this in our lives? Um, I was thinking about this one day. Narayan and I were driving in L.A., imagine that. <laughs> and 
just spontaneously there was this feeling of little bubbling up, which I'm sure we've all experienced, of of love, just this feeling of love, and and there were, I could feel my natural tendency was just to let it ooze right out, <laughs> just oh whatever <laughs> ooze away, and um, and but I caught it, I caught it in a moment, and I said, oh how can I, this is this is God that I'm feeling, like Ananta said. What I'm feeling is God. I can't just let it spill out. And so I, I offered it up to God, like Anandi was sharing. I didn't do the finger, but it was like, bring it up, bring it up to the point between the eyebrows. And I did, and I just felt more of it. It just grew. And I said, God, how can I express this outwardly? It was just there with Narayan. And... What came out of my mouth was really simple, but I had asked God to infuse what I said with that love that I was feeling. And I just said, I love you very much to Narayan. And he's driving, oh, I love you too. <laughs> and it seemed like a simple exchange, but then... Later that day, uh, he came up to me and he said, I want to thank you for what you said. I'm not someone who holds back the I love you. It's probably 10 or 20 times a day he hears I love you. So it wasn't what I said, but he felt it. He felt there was something special about that I love you. <clears throat> so how can we express that power and that love in everything we do. I want to share from Whispers from Eternity. O divine sculptor, chisel thou my life. Every sound that I make, let it have the vibration of thy voice. Every thought that I think, let it be saturated with the consciousness of thy presence. Let every feeling that I have glow with thy love. Let every act of my will be impregnated with thy divine vitality. Let every thought, every expression, every ambition be ornamented by thee. O divine sculptor, chisel thou my life according to thy design. Thank you. Keshava, you want Okay. How is everybody? How feels everybody? Awake and ready. I could sense that, but it's so much fun. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> from Autobiography of a Yogi, uh, the passage that came to mind when I was thinking of this talk this morning 
was uh, during an exchange, uh, Yogananda writes that Lahiri Mahashai was called to the Himalaya through miraculous circumstances, which most of us will recall, to be reunited with his guru. And after a little bit of time, he was led to a place where an initiation would take place. It was a shining golden palace. And it totally captivated Lahiri's attention. It was studded with jewels and radiating light. And not only was it incredible in its own right, but for some reason it was in this remote, austere environment of the Himalaya. And Lahiri couldn't believe or understand how it had gotten there. And his guide explained it to him and then said, whoever realizes himself as a son of God can achieve any goal by the limit, limitless power, hidden power of God within him. A very powerful and profound and real statement. I want to just address a number of points that I hope will help us to tune in to this power of God in our daily lives, to make us more aware of it, to be able to receive it. <clears throat> this is something I want to read later, and I don't want it to disappear, uh, <laughs> unless God wants it to disappear. <laughs> okay. So the first of these is meditation. I know most of you have a daily practice of meditation. Some of you are probably thinking about learning to meditate and or are new to the practice. But I want to say, in your consciousness, resolve from this day to meditate daily, to make it a habit to meditate daily, to meditate twice daily. And for those of you who have even the long-standing habit of meditation, resolve to meditate deeply. Resolve to meditate deeper today, deeper tomorrow, and on into eternity. And resolve to meditate longer. Really take this into your heart, into your consciousness. Because what happens when we meditate? We become conscious and aware that we are a child of God, that we are a child of the Divine Mother, that we are a child of the Infinite. And in that consciousness, and only in that consciousness, do we understand that everything is possible. Anything is possible. Without that, we don't stand a chance. <laughs> as, as Master referred to it in the world's uh, testing, proving ground, in the harsh proving ground of this world, we don't stand a chance without that inner knowing that we are a child of God, that anything is possible. Yogananda, as a young man, was challenged by his brother, Ananta, 
to test, to prove his undeniable faith in the power of God, a favorite account of Swamiji's described in the chapter, The Two Penniless Boys in Brindaban. And Ananta laid out the conditions of this test. And he said, I will put you on the train right now, but from then on, it's up to you and your so-called philosophy of God and God's power in life. And he said, you are to take a train to Brindaban. You have nothing with you, no rupees. You cannot accept money from anybody. You can't be fed by begging, but you have to eat all your meals. And you need to return back here by 12 o'clock tonight via train or somehow. And Yogananda, without question, without hesitation, of course, I'll do it. And him and his friend Jitendra took off, Ananta put them on the train. And just one miraculous episode after another. They were even fed as royalty. And a disciple, an unknown disciple, found Yogananda and received Kriya initiation. And Yogananda and his friend Jitendra made it back to Agra by midnight. Ananta, when he delineated the conditions of this test, said, if by chance, if by grace, you make it back, I'll take initiation as your disciple. I mean, this was not a normal thing to do. This is not how it works in family and society in India. But Ananta did receive initiation that night from Yogananda because through the power of God, everything had unfolded just as he, Yogananda, knew it would. Many years later, when he was in this country, Yogananda, and he was in San Francisco, he was embarking on a nationwide tour, lecture tour. There was $200 in the bank account, and Yogananda said his secretary practically collapsed on hearing this and couldn't see how this was possible, didn't want them to set out on this journey. And Yogananda was walking on the streets of San Francisco, and he was in front of the Palace Hotel, just walking along. And this woman came up to him, someone he didn't know, someone he'd never met. And she said, I've heard about you, and I like what you're doing. I want to help you. I have the financial means to do so. And Yogananda said very politely, I don't need the money. I don't even know you. And she said, but I know you. I know what you're doing, and I believe in it, and I want to support it. And she took out a checkbook and right then wrote him a check for $27,000. I mean, that would be a huge amount today. (laughs) And it was more than that then. And he just lived. That was his reality day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute. And so as Ananta said and Dharma Devi said, Swamiji's reality, their consciousness, I am a child of God. God's power sustains me. God's power created this universe. What could there be possibly lacking 
what could not happen because of that power and through that power. Yogananda said that we must cultivate the will, and that was intriguing to me, cultivate the will to think of God in activity, not just occasionally, not just sort of when everything's going right and, oh, okay, right, this is, this is Divine Mother, but to cultivate the will to think of God in activity all of the time, no matter what. When Swamiji would lecture around the world and he would oftentimes be asked this question, any part of the world, it came up again and again. This is the Indian version. And a man said to him, I love what you are saying. I believe in these teachings. I know that they are true and I want to live them. But I work eight hours a day. I have a family. I live a busy life. How can I live in Satchitanandam? How can I live in ever-existing, ever-conscious new bliss when all of this other stuff is going on and being asked of me? And Swamiji answered, as he always did, very simply, very simply, but he needn't say more. Bring Satchitanandam into your life. Bring God into your life. And he was an example in every way of how to do that. He could do the most mundane thing of routine, of repetition, whatever it was, of service, something someone might consider mundane. And he would elevate it to a divine experience because there is an element of the mundane in the lives we would live, even here at Ananda Village, even doing spiritual work. There's an, many elements of the mundane, I guarantee you. And Swamiji was that example of elevating the mundane in everything to a divine experience. I remember very vividly... Uh, in the earlier years of Ananda, when Swamiji went around, he wanted to share Ananda, the people, what, what is going on, and share about community. And he took it upon himself to learn photography. Um, you know, cameras weren't a ready available thing then. They weren't very common. We probably had a handful of them on the property of that. And Swamiji got a camera. And he started taking pictures, and he came down to the farm, and we were serving there at that time. And he brought others with him, and all of us gathered together in the strawberry fields. We used to bring in about 22 flats a day. We had about a quarter of acre of strawberries. And uh, he just started taking pictures of everybody. And it was so joyful. It was so elevating to just be in his presence in that way, serving picking berries, eating berries. <laughs> and uh, you just, you understood on a very deep level, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter if it's this job, that job, this role, that role. It really, it really doesn't matter. The opportunity is that we get to try to tune in to the power of God wherever we are in whatever we're doing. That's it. It's the only reason 
why we are incarnating. The mission, the work, everything is nothing without that knowledge that it's God's power making this happen. It's God's power creating this. And so to cultivate willfully that practice, the habit of thinking of God all of the time, of talking to God. God is our friend. Make it personal. Make it very, very personal. It's you and Divine Mother. And if you don't understand something, ask. If it doesn't make sense, if you don't know how to do it, ask. You know, Swamiji sent us to Sacramento um, decades ago now, but we got down there and there was a five-bedroom ashram and there was also a second house and another storefront where classes and weekly meditations, Sunday services were held. And we went down there at his uh, behest and uh, the baton was transferred. The checkbook was handed to us. We opened it up, $14. (laughs) That's all there was. You know, how do you feed people on $14? A house full of them, a five-bedroom, but up to 12 people. How do you pay rent with $14? How do you pay the rent of the storefront or the mondeer or whatever it is? How do you do that? $14, that's it. By nothing we did, I assure you. I assure you, (laughs) entirely God's power. But when we open up to that, you know, when we surrender to that, when we know ourselves that we are a child of the Heavenly Father, the Divine Mother, these things can happen. I remember sitting one time at my desk in the office and I, big picture of Master, you know, this big up there, and the phone rang and I picked it up and this man's voice was at the other end. I didn't know him, but he instantly started yelling. I mean, just yelling at me. I didn't know who this was. And he started yelling about Ananda and how terrible Ananda was and is and just on and on shouting and shouting. And I I could have hung up, but I didn't feel guided to hang up. And I just sat there wondering what to do while he was yelling. And I looked at the phone, and I looked at Master, and I held up the phone. (laughs) And I said, you take this. (laughs) And I just held it there, and I could hear him. I mean, he was yelling as as loud as he could, just screaming. And I listened and listened and listened. Finally, it got quiet. I just very tentatively, you know, brought the phone to my ear and I said, hello? (laughs) Yes. You know, just this grunt kind of. And I said, thank you very much for calling and sharing this with me. God bless you and goodbye now. And I put the phone down. (laughs) We never heard anything again from that person. I don't know what happened. I don't know what he thought, I, I don't know. Master took care of it. But he never called again. That was it. It was done. 
And, you know, again, so many situations, I would say most situations in life, we really, we don't really know how to deal with it. Maybe we get a egoic, you know, reactive response and start to go there, but that's just trouble. You know, you do the best you can, and, but that power is there. It's there all the time. It's just waiting to be invited, waiting to have a channel through which to move and to make this creation all that it can be, this Leela, all that it can be. And so have the conversation, have the conversation with God and do what you do to please God. And this is the final point that I want to make. Again, just cutting through. When we have that consciousness, I am a child of God, matter ceases to have power. Delusion ceases to have power. The physical limitations of this finite reality cease to be able to move us one way or the other. We're able to just stay in that center more and more. The conversation with God and pleasing God through your work, through your service. Give it to God. Do it in such a way. Do it at the best way possible. It's your best friend. You know, it's their birthday. It's their, they've gotten through some difficult thing, whatever it is, and you just want to do everything you can for that person inwardly, outwardly. Do it to please God. Do your work to please God. Think of it that way. Again, just make it personal. Make your relationship with God your own and make it all of the time. I remember one time on my first pilgrimage to India, we were going as a group of Ananda um, devotees and we were going to the uh, mission of the Sisters of Charity, Mother uh, Teresa's work in Kolkata. And we got there with the understanding that she would be there and we'd have time to be with her. And we got there and we were told she was busy. And understandably so, you know, no problem. We were fine with that. And we decided that even so, we wanted to sing. We had prepared some songs to sing together for her. We were going to do it anyway. There were just a few of the sisters there. And we started to sing. And we got through the first song. And we got about halfway through the second. And the door started to open into another room. And out came this little so little and such radiance and power figure of Mother Teresa. And she said, I couldn't stay away. I heard you singing and I wanted to see the people who were singing, be with the people who were singing these beautiful words. And she spent some time with us, uh, the group of us there, and it was, uh, of course, a great blessing. I wanted to uh, close with some words of Yogananda's. God kept them here for you to hear. <laughs> and he says here, There cannot be any excuse for not thinking of God. Day and night, rolling in the background of your mind, God, God, God. Instead of money 
or sex or fame, whether you are washing dishes or digging a ditch or working in an office or a garden, whatever you may doing, be doing, inwardly say, Lord, manifest to me. You are right here. You are in the sun. You are in the grass. You are in the water. You are in this room. Can't help adding here. You are in this amphitheater. You are in this spiritual renewal week. And then he closes with the words, you are here in my heart. Thank you. We stand and take a stretch. Let's actually, since we're all standing, take advantage of this, get our chug a choo choo train going. <laughs> and I am awake and ready. 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 I am positive, energetic, enthusiastic. I am positive, energetic, enthusiastic. I am positive, energetic, enthusiastic. I am master of my body. I am master of myself. I am master of my body. I am master of myself. I am master of my body. I am master of myself. Awake, rejoice, my body cells. Awake, rejoice, my body cells. Awake, rejoice, my body cells. Be glad, my brain. Be wise and strong. Be glad, my brain. Be wise and strong. Be glad, my brain. Be wise and strong. And in a whisper, awake, my sleeping children, awake. Awake, my sleeping children, awake. Awake, my sleeping children, awake. And let's draw on the power of God with one of the energization, just the first exercise with the palms out front. And with a double breath, let's tense in a wave. <laughs> One more. And let's have a seat and let's sit very still. <laughs> let's close our eyes for a moment and center yourself in your heart. Since we're talking about God's power in daily life, there is no power unless we open ourselves to receive that power. So let's tune into the heart center and think of our great master and our beloved Swamiji and how they often repeated those words in the Bible. To all those who received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Try to feel in your heart Pray for receptivity, for attunement to that divine power. And then lifting the energy from the heart, 
to the point between the eyebrows. Let's affirm mentally, I and my Father are one. Let's do it mentally. I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. And as you continue to meditate, I'd like to share from Autobiography of a Yogi. Jyotish was talking on Monday about the three waves. And this is actually from that second wave, right before Master left India in 1920 to come to America. And this is when Babaji responded to his prayer that Devi was talking about, that he prayed with such intensity that Babaji came to him, and Babaji said, Kriya Yoga, the scientific technique of God-realization, he finally said with solemnity, will ultimately spread in all lands and aid in harmonizing the nations through man's personal, transcendental perception of the Infinite Father. So I'd like to talk on this topic, uh, adding on to what Maria said about making uh, your relationship with God personal. I want to add to it some personal stories of my own, but to see them in the transcendental light of our one common Father. Before I do, I almost forgot, in honor of Gyandiv, uh, since the topic is the power of God in daily life, I wanted to talk about the power of delusion in daily life and uh, share with you a couple of awards from this year. And these are just some observations. So the first was a, an advertisement, a billboard I saw not too long ago in Los Angeles. And it said, go to your happy place. And it was a casino advertisement. <laughs> One of my favorites was uh, a clothing store which said, life is not perfect, but your outfit can be. <laughs> so close. <laughs> And uh, lastly, uh, my earthly father, who, when I told my family I was leaving the East Coast and my job and life and all this to come and live in a spiritual community, they thought I was crazy, the normal thing that people go through, uh, or not. <laughs> and uh, my father tried everything, you know, wasted talent. That was, that was one of the big ones, you know, because he watched a lot of the... Uh, sales movies and things like that. But when that tact wasn't work, he shifted to uh, the missionary approach and said, son, all the sinners are on the East Coast. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> ah, I appreciated his uh, tenacity. <laughs> Always be closing. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's a funny story, but I want to counter that with something more serious. When I was considering moving from the East Coast to Ananda Village, Nayaswami Jayaji, who many of you know, he's in India right now. I asked Jaya about coming to India because Jaya at that time was my mentor, my friend, my spiritual guide. He still is. And I, I did want to remain on the East Coast, not because of what my father said, but because I felt part of Ananda in New York City. Ananda, Rhode Island um, was beginning at that time with Om Prakash and Prem Shanti. And I'll never forget, I called Jaya from here, the expanding light. I was offered this position to serve at Crystal Clarity. It seemed like a perfect next step for me. But I was feeling the, um, you know, this desire to stay on the East Coast, to help on the East Coast. And Jaya said something to me, which I'll never forget. He said, if you were to leave your job and come to Rhode Island, he said, I actually wouldn't suggest that. He said, I would suggest you go to Ananda Village. And I said, well, why? Now here Jaya was leading the work on the East Coast at the time. And he said, because you'll be dye in the wool. And I understood what he meant immediately, that you'll, you would be immersed. Do you remember how Master said in one of his talks, one moon shines more light than all the stars. And when I came to Ananda Village, wow, there were many moons. Uh, I, I look around me and I see many of you. I recall first meeting Barbara Bingham and Maghi at the Expanding Light. One of the things Swamiji talked about, he said his legacy was kindness. And the, the kindness was so disarming for me. You know, having worked in the financial markets in New York City, when you would sort of shuffle into the bus at Port Authority, and once the bus would be packed like sardines, the next moment would go off, you know. I remember one time, uh, you, you kind of get up, and I was right before I was going to get on, and the conductor was there, and this woman in front of me was trying to get on, and he said, honey, relax, relax, relax! <laughs> it was that kind of... that kind. So... Coming to Ananda Village where <laughs> it was the opposite of that, where you felt the relaxation in the heart. You know how Swamiji often talked that when, you, when you're in your living room, you don't have to explain yourself. And the living room and the family room and the dining room, you know, has become this entire community and it is spreading all over the world. I, I also recall one of my first experiences of Ananda here with uh, Jyotish. It was that it was actually 15 years ago because my first visit was Spiritual Renewal Week, uh, 2001, and I was you know sitting back in the in the grass there, and I didn't I I knew what Ananda was, but not really. I was just beginning my spiritual journey. I didn't know who Jyotish was. And he just began speaking. And I felt my consciousness drawn into his wake. 
It was like through his calmness and clarity and light that I was drawn into that, that spiritual magnetism. And after that first visit, I remember I had a, a picture of some of the people that worked here, uh, lived here, Davey, Jotish, Seva, others. I think it was the Sangha picture that they sent out on a yearly basis. And I would put that up in my apartment. So I would dress in the morning and you know, before going to work. And I would, I would pass that picture very often. And there was just something about it. I don't know what it was, but there was this joy. There was this Ananda that was coming through them. I couldn't say that at that time, but I knew it. Like Ananta was saying, I knew it on my soul level. Now, the power of God in daily life, we don't always feel it. And why don't we always feel it? I uh, was joking with Keshava. We got this little back support. It's called back joy. It's really fun. <laughs> They're like, you know, the cushions for the seat, but it's not a cushion. It's like a cradle. And so it, it tilts your pelvis. It's like the meditation bench, but for the chair. They're really, it's actually quite neat. <laughs> so we were singing back joy, back joy. But, <laughs> but I was thinking of this, and it came to me, well, what is, what is blocking our joy? That's really what God's presence is always there. God's joy is always there. God's love is always there. So what is the block joy? Do you remember in autobiography, I don't have the quote earmarked here, but there is that saying when Master was in Sri Yukteswar's hermitage and he said, I demolished every rationalization and subconscious reservation behind which the human personality normally shields itself. That is the block joy. So sometimes God comes in like Anandi was sharing in the Sunday service the other day. And if we are truly inviting God's presence in like a general who's trying to, you know, make uh, an advance in a battle, he might explode some dynamite and, and try and demolish right that block to God's presence in our hearts. I recall the first time I met Swamiji. Because one of the most important things that we can do is just say yes. Uh, it was in New York. Um, he was taking the QE2 across from Europe to America at that time uh, in 2002 to give a program in Rhode Island. I think it was Hope for a Better World. And... Um, I, did, I didn't know how to, I never met Swamiji, so I didn't know how to treat a spiritual teacher, but I knew you needed flowers. <laughs> so I got garlands. I got, I remember getting, it, he probably thought he was coming to Hawaii because I got these lay, <laughs> like those lays for when you enter Hawaii and Om Prakash and uh, Prem Shanti, was, Lisa was there. I see, I saw Lisa somewhere. And I was too shy to give them the Swamiji, so I gave them to Om Prakash and Prem Shanti. And I remember Pushpendra was there too. But the first four words Swamiji said to me, I'll never forget, 
he just turned to me and said, Will you be coming? He was inviting me to the program in Rhode Island that weekend. And I said, Yes, I am coming, Swamiji. But we have to make that choice, right? Open your heart to me, and I will enter and take charge of your life. The block joy is there. We have to want to demolish the block joy, to open our heart. And it's the most painful thing, because then you begin to realize, my God, how many blocks do I have? How many block joys? <laughs> but it's the most, one of the most important things on the spiritual path is sincerity. God doesn't care about our faults. Right? Remember, Master said this many times in Swamiji as well, that God does not care about our faults. He only cares what is in your heart of hearts. Do you love him? Are you making an effort to love him? Like Swamiji's chant, Asha, who is a, a beautiful light and a beautiful, sincere soul. When we chant, I want only thee, Lord, she said, I have a hard time chanting that. Uh, but Swamiji used to say, you could chant, you can say, I want to want only thee. <laughs> that's sincere. Whatever step you can take, that's the important thing. So we have times where we don't feel God's presence. But how can we? How can we feel the power of God more deeply? Well, we can, instead of block joy, we can have lock joy. <laughs> Get locked up in that joy. Like Master said, and as Maria was urging us, to meditate deeply every day. To contact God's presence, to feel that presence. And that is, that is the ultimate elixir because, like Ananta was saying, what is this life flowing through my veins? What is this power flowing through my will? Can it be other than divine? Don't forget, it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> what is love? Is it only ours? Or does love whisper in the flowers? When Swamiji asked, do you remember that? He writes about it so beautifully in The New Path. He prayed to Master. He was in meditation deeply. And he prayed and said, teach me to love you as you love me. And it was a prayer. He wasn't saying it to Master. But Master was a master, so he knew his thought. And the next time he saw him, you recall what he said. How can the little cup? Hold the whole ocean. We can't make that leap. Ultimately, it is God. It is the grace of God. Yes, we have to cast the sail through our will, through our openness, through our devotion. But it's ultimately His grace that transforms us. So we, we can work on lockjoy, but this quote that I shared about Kriya Yoga I was thinking of it not as the practice of Kriya, but what you see here. It is Kriya Yoga in daily life. This is the power of God. You don't have to go far in this community. You can just look to your left, look to your right, in front, behind. It is God's power is flowing through people. 
I remember seeing Yandev walking towards the bell. You know, those of you who serve at the expanding light, it's a fun thing to be able to ring that old uh, oxygen tank there. <laughs> and I remember seeing Yandev just walk to this oxygen tank, and he was going to ring the bell before the beginning of a yoga teacher training. And I felt this joy through him, through his, just his being, right? You don't have to say anything. We, well, I have to say something now. They, they didn't talk very long. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> but you really don't. You think I'm working at the market, I'm putting the oatmeal on the shelf, I'm here, I'm cutting the lawn, I'm doing whatever little task I'm doing. Don't forget, Divine Mother. Remember how Master your Swamiji used to chant that? A thousand Vedas do declare, Divine Mother's everywhere. It is that presence of God, that power of God, like he said in autobiography, every Adam is dowered with individuality. That light of Christ is in everything. It's the most awe-inspiring thing there is. Because it's the only thing. Lock joy. And in this community, you live joy. I feel that joy from you. And I, it, it, is a, it is an honor to be your friend and to feel your friendship on the path. The last way that we can draw on God's power is the love joy. You master talked about in meditation to learn to love the joy of meditation to learn to love the increasing silence of meditation. Remember, in Autobiography of a Yogi, when right before Master, in that uh, second wave, remember Babaji initiating Lahiri into Kriya being the first wave, Master coming to America being the second wave. Right before that second wave, he paid a visit to Badori Mahashai right around his home, the levitating saint. And Badori Mahashai said, you, you meditate. You go into the silence. But do you practice Anubhava? Do you love God? Do you love that joy? And that joy like Ananta, like Dharma Devi and Maria we're all talking about today, Master used to say it's like the perfume spray, that you can spritz that presence of God in everything, on anything you do. I'd like to close with a, a personal transcendental story related to autobiography of a yogi. I, I think many of you know my father, earthly father, passed away early this year. I had a complex relationship with my father. I'll put it that way. If I were to describe it, I would draw from Master's poem, Samadhi. Love, hate, health, disease, life, death. <laughs> there, uh, anyway. <laughs> um, 
when he passed away, I wasn't prepared for it. But we should be prepared because, uh, like I think Anandi was sharing the other day, that we could leave at any moment, you know, and you never know when God will open that door. And that's why it's everything we do is a preparation. I used to be in this sales training class in New York, and it was called Prepare to Sell. <laughs> and the motto was, when you prepare to sell, you do. <laughs> when you prepare for God's presence, he is there. She is there. So, my father uh, passed away suddenly, and the we all go through these experiences. People die. People leave us. You don't get the job. The, the relationship doesn't work out. If you hadn't noticed, this life does not work, right? Things do not make sense unless you have God, unless your life is centered around God. Actually, that reminds me, there was another quote. Do you remember when Master met that sadhu outside, uh, I think it was a Kali temple, and the sadhu said to him, Here and there a towering, lonely figure never cries defeat. From the maya of duality, he plucks the cleaveless truth of unity. From the maya of duality, he plucks the cleaveless truth of unity. That is what I feel in this community. It's the live joy. It's finding the unity amongst the craziness. The greatest thing we can do, that you can do, that we can all do is to go deeper into our relationship with God, to unite with God. And then like Sri Yukteswar said, you, you send a carrier wave out that the man of self-realization, he changes his subtle spiritual magnetism, changes the whole universe. Isn't that remarkable? You know, I am not a physicist, but the phys I read this, <laughs> that you are like the event horizon between the smallest particle and the largest particle. A human being is right in between. So rather than trying to change the world outside you, you have a whole universe right in here. That is the Dwaparian that Jyotish was talking about when our mind our body, our energy, our mind, and our spirit are one. The real yuga cycle is right in the spine. Like when someone asked Ananta, how long is the spiritual path? He said, it's three and a half feet. <laughs> it's from the base of your spine to the point between the eyebrows. This is the yuga cycle right in here. So getting back to this story related to my father, it, it felt like a if you had a big band-aid that was ripped off your heart, I actually felt a physical pain in my heart. Uh, the connection I had with my father, feeling the, his, the love we shared, the pain, the myriad of feelings. And I don't know if, if this was like a, I, I grew up Roman Catholic. I don't know if it was an Italian thing or, you know, whatever, but you needed sins and you were looking for signs from God. So, so you needed the sins for confession, I'm joking. And you're, whenever someone died, you're always looking for a sign. And so two weeks passed. And my mother, I, I had stayed with my mom for like a 
Dharma Devi and I for about a week and a half after my father passed. And then we came back to Los Angeles. And my, it was two weeks, I think, to the day. And it was after Sunday service because it was on a Sunday. And my mom said, I haven't experienced any sign or anything of you. And I said, no, mom, I haven't dreamed of dad. Nothing's come to me. And then she, that was in the, in the morning. And then she wrote to me because we went to our service later that day. And she said, you'll never believe I got a sign. They played earthen vessels at the church I went to today for mass. And the church where we had the funeral service uh, was a different church, and they also played earthen vessels. So my mother took this as a sign from God. Now, I was a little bit more skeptical, and I just said, well, I said, that's nice. But I was really, I was thinking, like, again, that line in Samadhi, Scyllas of sarcasm, waves of laughter, scyllas of sarcasm, melancholic whirlpools melting in the vast sea of bliss. I was in the scyllas of sarcasm line at that time. But I did, I, I prayed. And later that same day, I, as I often do, I opened up autobiography to a random page. And this is what I turned to. And my mother had said, I'm praying for you to have a sign from your father as well. And this is Babaji. This is the first wave. This is when Babaji was, Lahiri was with Babaji. The purpose for which the palace was created has now been served, Babaji explained. He lifted an earthen vessel from the ground. Put your hand there and receive whatever food you desire. I was rooted to the spot. This is the power of God. Don't compartmentalize God that he's only within Ananda. Remember, like Jyotish was saying, this is a worldwide mission. That Babaji, not a grain of sand, not a sparrow, falls without my sight, like Davy was saying, that God is for everyone. Remember, this is what one, one of the titles of one of Swamiji's books. But when I actually read, those, read that passage, I then remembered the words to that song. We hold a treasure not made of gold in earthen vessels wealth untold one treasure only the lord the christ in earthen vessels Let's have that one thing, the everything of that one thing. And then we too will become like the Dwaparian that Jochish was describing. And as our great master said in autobiography of a yogi, through the grace of God, through the power and the grace of God, our love 
will become solitary because it's omnipresent. God bless you.